Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Welcome back to another episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am so excited and glad that you're joining me today. Today, I have an interview for you with Ronald Ettinger. And Ron is an accomplished HR executive who combines a unique hands-on perspective to building successful enterprises. Ron holds a strong belief that in order to build a thriving company, one must fully develop the company's talent. This belief is largely based on his understanding of organizational effectiveness global HR management, and corporate governance. Uh, Ron has a 40-year career that has spanned a variety of workplaces, including a global corporation, his own consulting firm, and private psychological counseling. But for the last 10 years, Ron has been the Vice President of Human Resources for the publicly traded Quaker Chemical Corporation. And he has been a strategic partner to the CEO and C-suite colleagues. He's coached high potential talent across the organization. And he has helped that organization grow from a half billion dollars to a $2 billion enterprise over that time. Ron will soon retire from Quaker Chemical after 17 years and is already planning for various consulting engagements. And he holds a master's degree in psychology with a specialty in family therapy and a bachelor of science in psychology from, uh, is it Hanneman Hospital and University? So Ron, welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. Good to be here. Yeah, good to have you on. I think we were connected by my colleague, Rob Grossman, who you've done some work with. Is that right? Yeah, I've known Rob many years. We've uh, been friends and colleagues for probably the past 20. Oh, that's fantastic. And Rob's a great guy. I've gotten to know him over the last uh, few years. We've been colleagues for many years as well. I want to dig in. I read some of your background and you and I were chatting a little bit before. And I know, you, you know you've, worked, you've been an executive at HR for many years, uh, but you told me that you have much more of an interest in kind of the softer side, the organizational side, and I know you've done a lot of work in change management and culture. So I want to dig into some of those things, uh, but I want to start with something you mentioned to me, which is having a deep understanding of human development and that being a big interest or focus for you. What does that mean? Can you tell me a little bit more about this understanding and interest in human development and why it's been important to you? 
Well, it's uh, been an interest, I guess, uh, early on, probably as most psychologists, uh, having to do with my own healing and wholeness and uh, later on transferring that to that of others, uh, first out in the uh, public sector and for the last 30 years in the corporate sector. And when it comes to corporation success, you hear a lot about what they do and don't do and the structures and organizational processes that are in place. But the bottom line, it comes back to the people. Um, You need to hire, train, develop, nurture, retain good people. So my background in psychology and I think a, a pretty good understanding on how people work and what motivates them, what reinforces good behavior has been a real asset in the uh, corporate realm, especially in the role of uh, uh, human resource vice president. Yeah, that's that's great. And uh, I think, you know, a lot of companies maybe pay lip service to that. I think a lot of companies are not really taking much of an interest in, you know, they might say they want to hire great people, but really training and developing them, giving them the the development they're looking for and, you know, paying attention to that, those human needs and what people are craving. You know, with that said, I know you've been around a long time. Some things have changed. Some things have probably stayed the same in terms of human behavior. What is it that you see people, employees really looking for from a developmental perspective when it comes to, you know, working and being in the workplace? It's interesting. I mean, what stayed the same is that people like to be treated well. Uh, What's changed, I think, is what excites and motivates people. You know, being around long enough, I think security was a real driver for uh, those of my generation. And I think the younger generation really gets stimulated by opportunities. And they're willing to take risks and adventure out. And they look for um, a company that can keep them growing professionally and, and personally. And and I think that may have always been so, but it's much more pronounced and explicit in today's workforce. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world, and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. Yeah, I have been looking, in addition to talking to people, I've been reading research studies recently that completely back that up. And, you know, security is still, I think, the number one care about for employees, especially when it comes to staying with their employer. But development opportunities has been gaining ground and has moved from four to three to the second position as far as the, the top thing that people care about. And so you're seeing that as well. And, and so is that one of the reasons you've been able to grow and, and keep people in your company, what are the things you've been doing to give our employees development opportunities? Yeah, I think it's been a combination. I mean, I've worked for a number of executives at this point in various companies. And um, a lot of people will tell you that people are their most important assets. But then what they do as a leader 
either supports or doesn't support that. And for the most part, I've watched leaders sacrifice, maybe a strong word, but not make their highest priority the development of their of their people, um, but rather their return on investment on the short term. And um, fortunately, in my current position, I have a, a CEO that really believes that people are the greatest asset and is willing to put his money and his energy where his mouth is. And that's made a big difference in not just providing developmental opportunities for people uh, formally, but also um, looking to really take individuals and grow them by experience, moving them from one position to another um, in order to both um, foster their growth, but also to ensure that the company has the kind of talent it needs for the long term. Yeah, that makes sense. And great to have leadership on board supporting that. It's so important. So what are some of the things that you have done there to give your people those development opportunities? What kind of programs are in place or opportunities are there to make sure people have the opportunities they're looking for? Now, we have some formal programs. We, we have a, a very robust talent management and succession planning process that's been in place for the last 15 to 18 years. A lot of companies will look at their talent year over year, but they're not always doing it with a um, an openness or a candidness, uh, one executive to the other. It's often, uh, I'm willing to give up my talent as long as it doesn't hurt my organization or, or my department or my division. And I think one of the things that's been evident here over the course of my tenure has been that all the executives are willing to move talent around for the good of the uh, whole enterprise and, and at times sacrificial to their own uh, business needs. And I think that's created a good growth environment for young and middle middle development talent. The other thing we've we've done here that I think is not uncommon is we do have our formalized programs and you know we have our learning development initiatives. We've also instituted a uh, a very robust internal early development, high potential program, which I think captures talent at early years and and begins to help them uh, focus on taking responsibility for their own development through the course of their career. So it moves the onus from the corporation or the corporate entity back to the individual. And I, I believe that's a shared responsibility, but as careers go, it ultimately falls on the individual to put the energy and the effort into developing themselves in ways they need to. Yeah, I agree. I think that's so important. I think, you know, A, we need companies to give, you know, if companies want to retain great talent, they've got to give their people developmental opportunities. We're seeing the data to back that up. It's it's becoming really important, like we talked about. Um, But it is a two-way street. People need to take ownership for uh, their lives, for their careers, for their own development and be able to speak up and and decide where they want to go with things. So how do you make that happen? How do you empower employees to really take ownership of their own development? It comes down to the leadership. You can formalize programs and you can encourage programmatically, but when the bosses begin to ask the question, where do you want to go in your career? And and the bosses begin to pay attention and have honest, authentic dialogues with their, their people and begin to make effort that is obvious to develop their individual talent, that creates a culture that people are willing to take risks and they're willing to speak up and they're willing to trust their management to do what's in their best interest in partnership with the individual. 
So I think over the years that has been practiced by by the senior team, and it's sincerely felt by the senior team. And I think that has created a culture of um, individuals taking real responsibility to build their careers. Yeah, that makes sense. Can you tell me a little bit more about your interest you mentioned in corporate dynamics? What does that mean to you? It's a very strange term, isn't it? Corporate dynamics. Yeah. If you turn it around, though, if you think that I think of companies as living entities and in such they're dynamic, they need to move, grow, morph and evolve as entities. And so there's always a lot of activity in corporations. But a lot of times people aren't orchestrating that act- activities to communicate messaging that, that they want to convey to their workforce. So if you think about culture in a corporation, culture is simply behaviors and processes that communicate to people that this is what we want you to do and these are things we don't want you to do. This is what will get you ahead and this is what will do to retard your growth. And I think that everything communicates culture to the people. So in that in that regard, you have to be thoughtful about how you implement and what you implement and what you convey to your workforce as far as systems and processes go. So when I talk about organizational dynamics, it's looking at the, the holistic picture of what corporations do in their day-to-day functioning, how they pay people, how they reward people, how they build careers, how they have dialogues. Um, if you say I'm interested in my people and you have a closed door and not an open door, that all messages to people what what this culture really is as opposed to what we say we are. Yeah, definitely. And the, and the culture and how it's defined is so important. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting companies with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. We're also providing tons of great content on a weekly basis. In fact, we recently launched a great webinar series that has been going on weekly with content such as creating a culture of multipliers, gender equity, Liz Weissman's webinar on helping rid the world of bad bosses. We have a new webinar from Brent Snow on decision-making. We have a webinar on multipliers and how to use multipliers during troubled times, calming the storm. We have a webinar from our partner, Julie Winkle Giulioni on developing in place how to continue your growth during remote working. And a webinar from Paul Middleton on the secret sauce for learning in the flow of work plus many more, just head to our website at advantageperformance.com. Click on free resources and you'll find the link to webinars and all of our other insights and resources there. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. You said you've been involved in some change management things and you're, you're taking interest in organizational behavior and culture. What do you think a couple of the, the keys to really defining and a great culture and aligning people to that culture? I think consistency is probably the biggest driver for cultural congruence. I mean, if you have a poster on the wall that conveys your values and you have um, systems or you have behavior in your management team that's incongruent with that, people will believe what you do, not what you say. So it's aligning the senior team and then those cascading that downward through the organization to behave in ways that really convey culture. 
And sometimes you have to take a long-term perspective in that regard. And sometimes you need to sacrifice a short-term gain for a long-term win overall. It often means sometimes you have to manage your management in ways to make sure that there's a consistency across the management team and that which is being done in each of the organizations of the corporation. Right. So I think that would be the biggest threat uh, that I would say is, is is making sure that there's not mixed messages that are given in what people are doing as opposed to what they say. Okay. So make sure there's alignment between what people do and what, what you say you, you want others to do uh, and that your leaders are setting a great example. And then how do you cascade that down to make sure that people really understand what that culture is? Is it mostly just following the lead of the leaders or do you do other things like town halls or development programs or you know memos or especially when you've got a change going on to get people aligned to that? Well, I think clarity of messaging is, is probably the, the beginning of that process. But I, I think also um, rewarding those that are um, your role models, that are exhibiting the kind of behaviors that you want in your, in your organization that convey the kind of culture that you want. And in the same sense, correcting or reining in those that are deviating from those behaviors. I mean, people have their own styles and their own ways of doing things, but there are times when you, you really have to have a hard, candid discussion with typically with some of your management as well as some of the employees to help them correct those things that they're doing so they can be consistent with the messaging that you're giving to the workforce. And I think if you're consistent in that, and doesn't mean you're, uh, you're necessarily harsh, but you're, you're consistent and rigorous with those kinds of messages. I think over time it becomes the norm and it becomes the acceptable behavior and the, that what typically will happen and what you strive to have happen is it becomes self-correcting. So no longer does management need to correct behaviors of the employees, but employees will begin to correct one another because it just doesn't fit or we don't do that here or that's not acceptable. And, and that's when you've really instilled culture into the, the fabric of the, of the company. Got it. Makes sense. And, you know, so many companies are going through many changes. And so I, I think there's so much that we need to think about there and making sure that people are aligned, um, that, that the leaders are setting the right, you know, they're being good role models and, uh, and that they're really like you're thinking about ways to, to cascade that down. Uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you, because you've had a pretty long career uh, in HR and talent development and, and worked on different sides um, from consulting and being in-house, what do you think has been, like, what has changed over time in talent development? Are there any big things that have changed since, you know, from a, a few decades or even a few years ago to the way things are done now? Well, certainly the um, way development is fostered is strange. Technology has changed a lot of that, and, and obviously looking for more efficient ways of delivering learning and development to the people has changed. Um, going from sitting in a classroom and uh, having a teacher teach you to being provided the resources and being expected to pursue and really take the initiative yourself in, in your own development. So that that has been a tremendous change, the availability of good tools and resources uh, to each of the individuals in the organization. 
doesn't replace face-to-face development, but it certainly has caused the uh, balance to shift in, the, in another direction. And that's probably the biggest change that I've seen, Andy. I, I think the other change that I've seen is that the demands on people have grown tremendously. I, I find that if I ask my people, what's your biggest challenge? They'll typically t- tell me it's time. So, you know, we used to take people out of the workplace for two weeks at a time to take them off the training and development or a four-day program was not uncommon. Now, if people can get a half a day to go off for a development program, uh, they feel like it's something unique. So I think the demand of time has really shifted the way people need to um, develop and, and need to seek out the resources for learning and skill building. Right. Having those opportunities, um, become, it becomes harder to create those and more important to protect that time and be able to make that time. And then people value it if you're able to do that. We've also become a little more intelligent about adult learning over the years. Moved away from a classroom style to more engaged and interactive style, more experiential style. Mm-hmm. You know, everything from uh, you know, using video games in a learning format to simulations to um, the novel ways people approach even uh, constructing uh, room-sized game game structures for people to walk through uh, right. learning experience. Definitely. And I love that. I mean, you may know I'm a big fan of, of business simulations and experiential learning, and that's a lot of what I do with my clients. And I think personally, I think it's the best way for people to learn. They learn best through practice and through doing and through discovery than from, you know, just someone standing in front with a PowerPoint teaching them, right? And so everything I do with my clients is highly experiential. In the conference that I'm putting together later this year, the Talent Development Think Tank, I'm asking all of our speakers and session leaders to put together highly interactive sessions and make everything experiential because I think that's the best way people learn. And it also gives them an opportunity to connect and learn from each other, the other people in the room, uh, rather than only from the person on stage. So I do think that's uh, an important change and something that I'm very excited about. I wanted to ask you, Ron, so thinking about your career, what's been your greatest accomplishment uh, as it relates to talent development? Two things come to mind. I I think early on, um, again, in the old days, so I'm going back 30 years ago, putting together a a multi-week kind of layered program for new managers, you know, people coming into supervision for the first time. And I think it was, uh, as you had just stated, a very experientially based program, which for a lot of people was life-changing. And it, it wasn't life-changing because it was uh, unique in, in how it was structured, but it took people out of the workforce long enough to begin to get some uh, insight into what what they needed to do personally to make themselves good leaders of people. And that program ran for a number of years and became and then I was in the nuclear power industry in those days, uh, became a sort of an industry standard across the nuclear power facilities. And that I'm pretty proud of. And it was also something for me that I think had significant residue, if you would. It taught me a lot about how people learn and, and that if you spend the time helping people experience their and get insight into their own behavior, those Early learnings were even transferable into their personal life. I remember getting a few uh, notes from spouses thanking me for helping uh, his or her spouse uh, make changes that 
uh, had payoff back in the in the home as well as in the workplace. Oh, that's so cool. So that, that's something that was wonderful. Yeah, so you're changing careers and changing lives. And I think later on in my current position, we, we've put in a very robust high potential program, which incorporates both self-discovery, but also a lot of use of uh, psychometrics to help high potential managers get a better sense of what they need to do to develop their potential back in the workplace. So it was very, tra- it, it focused on how do you transfer the development to, to be able to go back to your job and, and use your day-to-day experience to help you learn and grow as a, a more seasoned leader of people. Right, yeah. And we've been running that here for the last three to five years. That's very cool. Yeah, something definitely to be proud of. What's been your biggest failure or mistake and what did you learn from it? My biggest fear was I left school prematurely. Really? I got my master's degree and I had opportunity to go on for a PhD work and I just got tired of school. I was just one of these chomping at the bit young men who at uh, 28 wanted to get out in the world and make his mark and thought, I, well, I'll go back and do that at a later time. Well, at 67, I still haven't gotten back to do it and nor is it an interest of mine, but it is a regret. Yeah. So a little formal, more formal education, I think would have been, might have not helped my career any. It may have taken in different direction, but certainly something that if I had to do over again, I would do differently. Well, let me ask, especially for anybody listening who's thinking that maybe is younger and they're thinking about going back to school or maybe adding some extra education. Why is that a regret? Why, what do you think that would have done for you if you had added to that and gotten the PhD? I think it would have opened some doors and made it easier over the course of my career. I think some doors closed because I didn't have the formal degree. They only opened, um, I guess, but over time I proved myself in other ways. But I think it's just a door opener for folks and it smooths the way a bit. Doesn't mean you'll be successful, right? but I think it it helps you um, cross some of the hurdles more easily. Right. Okay. That makes sense. We talked a little bit about the past and what some things have changed and the popularity of experiential learning. Is there another trend that you're following or something you're excited about that's getting bigger in talent development today? Yeah, I mean, I, if I think about it, I think the focus for the last few years in both the research as well as the training and development work has been around emotional resilience. Helping people, again, look from just curbing external skills, like being a better communicator or being a better presenter or running a better meeting, which are all useful to really looking at becoming more self-reflective and developing internal capacity as well as external behavior. So when I think of the trend towards emotional intelligence and in the last few years, some of the psychometrics and some of the coaching work and some of the development programs focused on building personal resilience. And especially in today's world, I think that that to me is exciting. I agree. And I think the emotional intelligence piece, uh, it's certainly gotten a lot more cred and popularity lately, but I think it's going to be more and more important as you know, AI and robotics and machine learning and things become more popular and controlling so many things. I personally think the ability to connect human to human and make connections and understand people and be empathetic uh, is only going to become more and more important in the future and probably more rare for people to truly have those skills you know, versus others that are relying so much on technology. So it's cool to hear that that 
you know, is trending out there that you're seeing other people and companies paying attention to it? It's funny. I launched today with one of my uh, direct reports or one of the people in my organization. And uh, we were just talking about things and seasoned veteran, been around in the corporate world, mid-senior manager. And um, we were talking about our experience over the last years in the workplace. And she said, you know, I would have liked it if my manager would have just said, you know, I really appreciate what you've done. or you really done a good job at this? Or, you know, the feedback I get is really positive. So, as much as we have evolved, you have a seasoned veteran who says, I don't need that a lot, but every once in a while, it's nice to get. So it comes down to people, the basics of how can you be sensitive to the needs of that person in front of you, and how, with a few words, can you just acknowledge, reinforce, compliment, uh, give them a little stimulation to keep your motivation going. Yeah, people like positive reinforcement. They like affirmations. They like encouragement. Um, it doesn't have to be all the time, but uh, you know, it's amazing how some people may talk about salary or development opportunities at the end of the day. They just want to feel like the work they're doing is appreciated, and you know, you you want your managers to be doing that from time to time. It's funny, you know, you you go back in it a long, long time ago, and I was probably twenty two years old. I read the One Minute Manager. Which is a yeah, probably a book that takes forty minutes to read and it's all sixty pages perhaps. But in that book it said all the things you needed to know as a manager. So it's a kind of one of those uh little gems. Timeless, right? Yeah. Speaking of books, I was gonna ask you if you had a recommendation, a book that has made a big impact in you or that you often recommend. So is it the the one minute manager or do you have another one? No, uh, there's probably three that I reference, that being one of them. You know, Blanchard's book is just a classic and, you know, conveys those little tidbits for wisdom that always work. I think uh, Warren Bennis's works on becoming a leader were significant. I've reread the book probably four or five times through my career. And as I've grown, it's come to mean different things to me. And I think that's a key kind of touchstone in, in any kind of management or leadership development work. And I think of the last 10 years, probably Jim Collins' early work on The Good to Great was probably a significant book that, again, I, I find myself referencing often and going back and reading segments of it often because it just had some simple truth. Totally. All classics right there. One Minute Manager by uh, Ken Blanchard. I think you mentioned on Becoming a Leader and other works by Warren Bennis. Warren Bennis. Yep. And Good to Great by Jim Collins, which has been mentioned many times on this show as well. It's just an absolute classic. So great recommendations. Appreciate those. And my last question for you, Ron, is for anybody listening who may be a little bit younger in their careers or just looking for ways to accelerate their career and find more success in talent development, what's one more piece of advice you would give to them? Take risks. I think the a lot of people wait for opportunity, but I think if you're looking for opportunity, it doesn't mean being an opportunist in the bad sense of the word, but uh, being hungry for opportunities for growing and new experience, that's what makes a difference. Not being afraid to jump in with both feet. I love it. Yeah. And oftentimes, I go back to this a lot now that you may get to the end and regret some of the risks you didn't take. You probably won't regret many of the 
the, the risks you did take or the failures, because at least you tried to do some of that stuff. And I know it's hard in the moment, but uh, I do like that advice because that's how people often get to successful places. They take chances, they work hard, they show up, they look for those opportunities and they, they jump on them. And you learn from everything. And you learn from everything, right? Succeed or, or fail, you always learn. Uh, well, Ron, this has been uh, really great. Uh, for anybody listening that maybe wants to connect with you, get in touch, what's the best way for them to do that? Probably my email, uh, Ron Ettinger at Comcast.net. Ron Ettinger at Comcast.net. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, Ron, this has been uh, an honor and, and great for me to get to talk to you and, and learn from you and the things you've done in your career. And I think it's been valuable for our listeners as well. So thank you again for coming on the Talent Development Hot Seat. And I appreciate it, Andy. Thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome. All right. Take care. You too. If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible. And we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.